Are you an agent struggling to understand real estate economics? Would you benefit from learning how top agents structure their businesses? Then you've come to the right place. to the Nerdy Agent Podcast, where we teach you the basic economic and business principles that you need to thrive in today's real estate market. I'm your host, Luke Pedersen, with my fellow nerds and brothers, Josh and AJ. What's going on, guys? Not too much. How are you doing, Luke? I'm doing great. Pretty easy week so far, but Josh, have you? did you hear the news from the weekend? That's really what I want to know. Did you hear the big news? <laughs> where is this going, Luke? AJ <laughs> caught his first game fish of the year this weekend. Whoa! <clears throat> and possibly two. Did Three... Three of them. All different fish, too. We have not caught a rock bass in the lake yet, and we did catch one of those. It only took 8,000 casts, right? 8,000 casts. My, my fish per cast is not great, but it's better than zero. I've still caught zero fish. So you're doing better than me. Yep. Next time, Luke. Exactly. We'll get, you, we'll get a fish on. Well, let's, let's get into it, right? Each week, we plan to bring you economic knowledge as it pertains to the real estate market and current events that you need to position yourself as a real estate expert in this marketplace. This week, we're going to discuss what a recession is, and why not having a perfectly organized CRM is killing your business. Uh, let's just get into the basics of it. Talk about recessions, guys. Sure. Yeah. So um, most people, I would say, consumers, um, normal citizens in our country, would say two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth would, would be a recession. But in fact, they're wrong, right? Yep. Um, and we talk about all the time. I mean, they, they say things like, uh, we're in a recession now because we have had two quarters of um, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, um, Q1 and Q2 in 2022. Um, but in reality, the National Bureau of Economic Research, or short, the NBER, which is a group of old people in a room, um, determine that we are in or not in a recession. It's actually more opinion-based in some regard, um, but they do determine it by a significant decline in economic activity that is spread across the economy and lasts more than a few months. And so right now, a lot of economists, experts, analysts are saying we actually might not be in a recession, even though GDP has gone down two consecutive quarters. Um, and a lot of reasons why some numbers Josh got me spit out here on our script. Uh, 1.6 was the contraction in the first quarter in real GDP. That's not necessarily broad-based and huge. Can we talk about what the 1.6 means in contraction? Josh, do you want to take that? Yeah, so, so, and first of all, not to even tie back the whole concept of today to real estate agents, but everyone is saying right now, like, we're in a recession, we're in a recession, housing prices are going to fall, the sky is falling, right? So it's important as an agent to be able to understand this concept and be able to speak about it thoughtfully. Um, real GDP is essentially the, the economists in our country evaluating different inputs that impact how much we are producing as a country. And the word real is really important there because what they're doing is they are stripping out the impacts of inflation and normalizing it so you're not looking at 1900 versus today, you're normalizing it for inflation. And so with everything going on in inflation in our country right now, it's really important that we understand exactly what's going on there. Um, the biggest thing that's been reported, and I thought this was really interesting, uh, is while we are down 1.6% in real GDP, so we're producing less than we were producing the prior year. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Our, but we have the inflation number too. So 
in terms of real numbers, we are producing more. Correct. But inflation is changing that. So because inflation is going up, so it's affecting that by a big margin. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd always be producing more yeah. because inflation yeah. is happening. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is, is they've reported it's all driven by inventories. And so it's said differently, the supply chain issues that we're still dealing with as an after effect of COVID, now the war going on in Russia and Ukraine, um, are causing the supply chain to be really disrupted, which is causing less availability of inventories uh, to be purchased and GDP to rise and grow and so and to be created. So it's, uh, it's a mix of information that we're getting, which is basically saying, yes, we have less inventory, so therefore our true, when you roll everything up, number is showing negative, but a lot of the other uh, factors, things that they take into consideration are showing positive impacts right now. Um, so you're seeing growth in uh, wages, you're seeing actually consumer spending when adjusted for real inflation as being positive. Um, there's obviously uh, unemployment's at an all-time low. So a lot of those things are saying, well, the market's, the, the, the economy is actually in a pretty good spot. So a long-winded version is saying, the people, the old people who will meet at some point here to back tell us if we were in a recession right now might say we weren't actually in a recession. They might not all be old people. They might not. They might not. But I think they probably are. I mean, you get a lot wiser and smarter when you get you older. Do. I think exactly. So, but I think the one thing that's really important, and Josh kind of touched on it, is um, 1.1 million jobs created in the second quarter. Yep. An average of around 375 per month. This is more than three times the number of jobs created in any three-month period leading up to any recession. So three times more jobs were created yep. um, in the last three months than we've ever seen up to a period where we deemed it a recession. And that's what I think a lot of analysts are saying is maybe the reason that they're going to say, eh, not necessarily a recession. There's a lot of underlying factors there that are actually looking good. Yes. So what I want to do, a big thing especially today in this podcast that we want to touch on with recessions, right, is understanding what a recession is, where we're at right now, but then also tying that back to real estate. Because at the end of the day, this is a podcast for you listeners, real estate agents that can learn from what a recession is and how that ties into your business, how you can talk about it with people to be the expert. Um, before we get into that, I, I had it on here. How many recessions have we had in the past? Just so people know that off the top of their head. So since 1980, there have been six recessions. So 42 divided by six is seven, right? Fellow nerds, is that the that's there you go. That's good math. Good so math. every seven years, seven dating back to the Great Depression, which was in 1929, there have been 15. That's 93 years. 93 divided by 15 is 6.2. Correct. Math checks out. Okay, three divided by 15, that's that's 20%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got so you. So 6.2. You guys are both better at math than me. So every 6.2 to seven years, or on average, around every six to seven years is when we experience a recession. Just good to know. So... If that does come up in conversation, you can just have that number off the top of your heads. Tell them you heard it here. 6.2. Yep. Uh, and then the biggest thing here as well, talking about in recessions, we I wanted to get into like what the impact historically has been because obviously in 2007, 2008, the recession led to a horrible housing market yep. and a big decline in prices. But historically, uh, that might not be the case. So I had on here, let's just chat about what has that meant for real estate prices and the market in general in the past. It's a, yeah, it's a pretty loaded question. So it I can I can question. talk for 10 minutes if you want me to. Otherwise, I'll talk for a little bit and spit back to AJ. Um, there's been, like AJ mentioned, six recessions since the 80s. Of those six recessions, there's only been two of which you've seen real estate prices go backwards. So in 2008, and that was largely due to the fact that real estate drove the recession in our country in 2008, you saw a huge decline in, in housing prices. And so we we went back pretty far at that point in time. It was 20 to 30%. It's been the largest hit to real estate that we've seen really since 
you know, um, back towards the Great Depression. Uh, in the 90s, there was also a recession in which we saw backwards sliding real estate prices. I'll let you chat a little bit more about that specifically, but know that it doesn't necessarily mean, recession doesn't create real estate price death, right? It's, it could go other directions. So for the last six years, actually seen appreciation in real estate prices. Um, I think we've seen roughly like 6% in the last few, um, actually 6% real estate appreciation during a period of time in which the GDP is shrinking for our country. Tell us about the 90s then, because I, I don't know about the 90s. You probably don't know about the 90s. Everybody knows about 2008. Like, why, what happened in the 90s for real estate prices and why did that happen? Yeah, I mean, they, they um, stagnated and then they ended up going backwards about 15 to 20%. Keep in mind, though, um, we're in Minnesota. Uh, that's a national number, sure. right? So it's macro basis. We here in Minnesota often see, and for those that have bought homes in Minnesota and last year who have been looking, might not. Um, necessarily feel this, but yep. we see less growth and less decline than most places based on a lot of the statistics I've seen. Um, you go to the coasts where there's a lot of cash purchases without appraisals happening, and you saw appreciation go up significantly faster than it did yep. here, in, here in Minnesota, and go down like it did in Florida during the, the last recession in 08, yep. much faster, right? Um, but by the end of the decade in the 90s, the prices had already gone back to their pre-recession level. So you saw this big swing down, big swing up. Um, from 2008, it took, I think, until about 2015, maybe, yep. before prices returned. Um, I think part of the reason people are a little bit freaked out right now, um, and Josh can talk about his uh, his regression model that he's made, but <laughs> I think um, I think part of the reason people are freaked out now is because prices have gone up so quickly. Yep. Um, real estate, you know, in some of these recessions, you say some of them, they went down, some of them went up. Most of the time, we're talking a handful of percent, right? Yep. Very small numbers. Real estate typically is not moving that quickly. It's not like the stock market. It's more of a hedge against inflation, typically. Um, but yeah, I think this would be a great time to, to go with Josh's nerdy spreadsheet tip of the day. I'm gonna try and get that with a stick, I think, but we'll see if that No, it's it. good, it's good. I mean, yeah, and this, uh, yeah, the, the way that I've looked at this is when I actually started in real estate, the first thing I did was looked at, tried to understand how pricing works, right? So I could advise my clients as, as best as possible. And so understanding how historical inputs have led to pricing changes was kind of the goal. Um, so I ran regression analysis. I don't need to get too nerdy on exactly what regression analysis is. Okay. But essentially, well, actually, I'll, I'll get into it. What, like, just 10 seconds, what is regression analysis? You look at different variables. You have an output factor and then different input factors, and you try to understand with changes in those input factors what will happen to the output factor. You're trying to make a formula essentially based on historical things that have happened to predict the future. Yes, and you try to find variables that are correlated. And so a high correlation has been homes available for sale, interest rates, and house prices. And house prices. So those are the three biggest ones. There's a couple little minor inputs outside of that, but about 30% of the model can be explained by homes available for sale. The remainder of the model can be explained by uh, interest rates. Sorry, 30% is interest rates. The rest of it was basically homes available for sale. So basically what I'm saying at a high level is as interest rates are going up, you're going to see a decline in house prices because people can afford less. That's what the model is telling you. But a more important factor is actually available inventory. It was, it was weighing more heavily on the model. So if interest rates are going up, but there's still no available inventory, you're still going to see more of a house price increase because that variable actually plays more heavily into the buyer behavior and the pricing that we've seen, at least within our local market. I don't have national numbers in my model. Yeah, I think, I think it's important for people to understand from a micro perspective, a lot of stuff we're talking about from what we're seeing is on a micro perspective. And I even talk 
if we're talking about what you're saying to your buyers right now, I'm having conversations based on the price point they're at, right? Because if you're at a first-time homebuyer price point in the Twin Cities right now, it hasn't changed that much. I've been in multiple offers on three offers in the last week and a half. Yep. Not much has changed in that standpoint from us. Yep. I think it's also something to talk about, too. We talked about the 90s a little bit, right, where we did see house pricing stagnate for a period of about six or seven years, right? And a lot of the inputs going into the recession that happened in the 90s are very similar today. You saw rising gas prices. You saw the Fed getting involved in raising the overnight rate, which led to higher interest rates, et cetera, right? So all of those things kind of are like, a, it's a similar story to today. It's what happened in the 90s. Difference being, you know, mortgage interest rates in the 90s were like, they, they plateaued at like 7%. That was the low point at which they got to. They averaged like 10% interest rates in they the 90s. They valued at 7 Sorry, valued. Yes. So they, they hit their low they point. plateaued at like 18. The highest, the, the average real interest rate during the 1990s was like 10.13%. So very different than today. Um, available inventory was way higher in the 90s than it is today. So buyers had more choice. They could buy other stuff. The reason I'm talking about this is it's important to understand the context of what drove a recession. Um, same thing as 2008. I hear all the time from clients, well, 2008, everything burst and it was a, it, housing prices are going back 20, 30% because that happened then and it's going to happen again now. The inputs of what caused 2008 are totally different than the current environment that we're in right now. It was bad lending, right, was the big reason why that all happened. And right now, you know, lending is happening with a more qualified pool and of buyers. Bad than lending ever led to speculative building, development, yeah. and all of that, right? So home yep. inventories and bad lending can lead to, yeah, some bad stuff. Yeah, and we, um, yeah, just a lot of poor building on the back end and a lot of people holding land that end up depreciating really fast, right? Right. The point is, at a high level, you can always say, we're in recession then, we're in recession now, it's the same thing. Understand the inputs into what caused it because that will help you be more knowledgeable. And that probably goes into the script component. Yeah, too. and you're saying, before we even get to that, you're saying, at the same point, right, we're talking about what's led to, re what's where recessions have been, what had led to house prices changing. If the interest rate all of a sudden does jump to 8 or 9%, let's just say, then you could definitely see a decrease because it's 30% of that regression model and it could outweigh the inventory factor of it. Correct. So once again, not getting too nerdy, but my model, my model told me this year, if, if housing prices or if interest rates rose above like four and a quarter, you would have seen a backward slide in pricing. We haven't seen a backward slide in pricing, but when you account for inflation, right, which has been rampant across the country, when I normalize housing pricing today, we actually have seen a slight decline in prices hmm. when accounted for inflation. And so I, at first I was like, oh shoot, my model's broken, I need to fix it. But if you layer in that factor, it actually does explain that we have gone slightly backwards in real house pricing. So we don't get too nerdy. We're getting into the weeds on that one a little bit. We are gonna, <laughs> we are gonna get into the script of the week. Uh, this one about recession. So you're at your friend's house over the weekend. This is typically the scenario you're grilling out with your buddies. Uh, everybody knows you're in real estate. so Luke's the, always grilling. I guess so. Always grilling. So the conversation turns to you and they say, looks like we're in a recession. The economy's bad. You know, how is this affecting your career? Kind of concerned about you. Like, this is going to be bad for you, right? What's the response and, and how can you be the expert in the room in that situation? I mean, I think you can say what Josh just said, right? Which is no two recessions are the same. Mm -hmm. They can be similar, um, but no two recessions are the same. And what me and Luke just talked this morning, one thing you could say in the script is, did you know that in the Minnesota Twin Cities market, we listed last week, so we're in, what is it, August 16th today? Last week, we listed like 30 more homes 
than we listed the week of July 4th. July 4th is like the worst week to list a house. Mm -hmm. People take five, six day weekends over July 4th. Mm -hmm. No one lists homes on July 4th. And we hardly are listing more homes than we did that week right now. And so we thought that with the interest rates going up, that the supply would increase. And it has a little bit. A little bit. Um, but I think last we checked, at when July closed out, we're at like 1.6 months. So the more concerning 1. thing. 1.6 months of what? Supply. So that means if nobody lists a home in the next 1.6 months, we will have no new homes for sale. And when we're listing so few homes, like we are right now, um, that supply is going to move tick up much slower than it probably would if we were listing a normal amount of homes. For those in the Twin Cities market as well, if you have the same MLS that we have, you can go on InfoSparks, Correct. the statistical analysis tool, and you can check month supply in the Twin Cities, and you can always have that on hand if you're going somewhere and you want to talk about or be the expert in the room with month supply. And not to get too long with my script, but I would say real estate agents mostly operate out of the number of homes sold, not the house prices. While the house prices going up do increase the commissions, as we all know, um, the number of homes sold is more so what we're looking at. And the concerning part now is that the number of homes sold is declining at a very high rate um, to the tune of about 20 to 25% each week is what we're seeing, yep. less than last year, which also wasn't that historically that high. Yep. The other thing I'd say, Luke, is from a script standpoint, yeah. right? I hear this a lot, right? The market's going backwards, so therefore, you know, are you guys going to be okay, or how is it? How is it? How is it for you? Mm -hmm. The reality is, a real estate agent, when the market's crazy, everyone thinks it's really good for you, but sometimes it's actually not that much fun because you're up against eight offers, and in theory, you'd only win one out of eight. You know, hopefully, you win more than that, but the reality is, is like it can be really competitive and really taxing and really hard on your buyers, etc. So when the market is actually in this place, at least when you're on the buyer side of things, it actually ends up being pretty fun. Where I'm like, I got, I tell people like, I got six offers, or seven offers accepted, only one of them was in multiples in the last three weeks, right? Like that actually is more fun for me than it is the flip side of the market when I'm putting seven offers in and getting two of those accepted or three of those Especially accepted. mentally because losing over and over again, as we know, is not very fun. For you as an agent and for your clients. And for your clients. Yes, so I don't know. There's. If, if you are taking care of people, if you are doing a good job, you're always going to be safe, even in a downturn in the environment, because if you are if you have people out there, there's going to be opportunities for them. I also make sure that, especially agents out there, like the agents on our team know that when the market is also doing really well, whatever that means, right, it's hot and there are more sales, you have a flock of people entering the market becoming real estate agents. And so when, when you have a uh, compression of house sales, you're gonna also lose some of the people from the flock yep. and you're going to open up room in the pie because it's all about the pie, right? And so if you can hold through that and still continue to work and still continue to stick with it, on the back end when prices go back, when home sales increase, you're gonna have more pie to choose from because we less people trying to get it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, outside, That's outside of the script. That's just for the agents at home listening. Um, that's enough of the nerdy economics. Let's get into CRMs, the, uh, what we want to chat about was how you can perfectly organize it. Cause I know I would assume most agents out there have a CRM. Some probably don't, which if you don't, can you I do should. the cutoff thing, Luke? Yeah. What's a CRM? Customer relationship manager. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, that'll work. Mm -hmm. Client relationship manager. Yeah. Um, essentially it's where you put all of your sphere and leads in order to make sure you're consistently following up with them and staying in touch and having notes on them, remembering them and whatnot. But Luke for, is our CRM master, yes. by the way. For those for those who do have a CRM, we want to talk about how to keep it perfectly organized. 
Um, and Josh is going to touch on that for us. Yeah, sure. Uh, we use Follow Up Boss. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the cool sticker on Luke's computer. Uh, Follow Up Boss, if you're listening, we'll take some more hats. They're super cool. Yeah. Um, but we, we use it kind of religiously within our team, and we, we have every agent on our team on it. Uh, we, and we tell them they need to be following up with their leads and putting them in there, uh, tracking how they're doing, and essentially creating a system of organization within there to be able to stay on top of those different people as well as their sphere of influence. So at a high level, we have different lists within our CRM that we built for our team. Uh, the big ones being, you know, you need to follow up with these people every week, these people every two weeks, these people every month, make sure they're on those lists and then use that system to understand when you're supposed to talk to those people. And then when it tells you to talk to those people, reach out and see how they're doing. That's from a lead perspective. Lead and sphere. So I guess within the sphere side, if you're if you're using that, you put your friends in there, you put your coworkers in there, you put, uh, well, I mean, if you're a real estate agent, not your coworkers, but yeah, sure. you get the point, uh, your past coworkers, et cetera. Uh, and if you want to follow them every 30 days, you put them in one list. Every 60 days, put them in a different list. But once their name comes up, reach out, say hi, set up coffee, uh, have a beer with them. Uh, it's a good way to just stay in touch with people. No expectations in those meetings. Don't pitch them your business. Don't try to sell them real estate. Just hang out with people. They'll know what you're doing. They'll want to ask about it. And then at that point in time, you'll become a viable option for them if they ever do get to the point. You'll use your nerdy else. script of the day. Exactly. How's the market? Yeah. And then, and then another really important piece of this is what I always do as well when, you know, making sure you don't miss people, right? That's a big part of the CRM. Yep. And so when you're talking to someone and they say, hey, Josh, I'm, you know, my lease is up in November. I'm probably thinking about buying a house you know, I'll probably reach out to you instead of waiting for them to reach out to you because they may probably won't, right? You put them in another section. We use the deals pipeline yep. where it puts them kind of where they are in that process as like a contact not looking right now. Um, so you can make sure you every week you go in there and you know, hey, I might need to reach out to this person. I haven't contacted them in 90 days and they were going to be looking in, you know, September, October. Exactly. I use the tasks function a lot too. So Everyone uses it a little bit differently, but for me, we talked about in the very first episode, like having a system, having a routine. One of my daily things is look at my tasks and follow up boss and make sure I take care of those. So if I'm talking to Luke and Luke says, hey, I'm going to buy a house in September, hit me up in August, I will put a task out now for next August for Luke to say, hey, follow up with Luke, see how he's doing. I probably didn't talk to him a couple times before then, but on that day, there will be a moment to say, okay, go into that task, see that I'm supposed to follow up with Luke, send Luke a message, make sure that he's you know, still in the know and I'm still in his, uh, you know, conversation. The point of the CRM is to make sure that you don't forget. And you don't, you're and never you will gonna, you're, if you don't have it. You're going to remember everything. Not a chance. And so if you don't have a perfectly organized CRM, you have to start doing that right now. On the back end, we also do a lot of past client stuff in there. We track home anniversaries, we track birthdays on all this stuff, and we send them cards in the mail and we do systematize and it tells us when to do so because we're not going to remember that and i don't even go on facebook enough to see when somebody's birthday is because i know some people try and do it that way it's like you're just gonna miss stuff so perfectly organizing it going in there we could do a whole podcast on follow-up boss probably it, yeah if anyone wants to learn more about crms email us yeah reach out because there's there's so much more to this and honestly we have a full and during our onboarding for our new team members, we literally have a whole, what, three hours that we go through Follow Up Boss and talk through each of the sections, talk through how to use them, and ensure people are staying on top of their stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of a CRM as your vessel for being the most valuable friend and real estate agent that you can possibly be. So it's your way to get notified when the right time is to reach out for somebody to somebody, but also to 
you know, use some of the information we're giving you or that you're learning to be as valuable as you possibly can be. Let's uh, finish up by chatting about the NAR stats of the week, the fast stats. Fast stats. AJ? I like it. You got it. Oh, yeah. Um, so we saw a decline. So, again, it's a week over week. It's the week this year versus the same week last year. We saw 21.7 less new listings, um, but we saw 23.1 less pending sales, um, which meant that the inventory increased a little bit. I think we are... Uh, down to about a 650 listing gap when you compare it with 2021 so, right now. So my confusion on this is I remember last week and even the week before inventory was up, it was showing 10% up, wasn't it? It may have been. These, seven, these numbers seven, aren't eight. perfect because they're not measuring the same amount of time and they're not even measuring the same metric because you're looking at one week of data versus a static amount of data for the new for the inventory number. So it doesn't track necessarily. They don't track exactly the same, correct. You're also comparing different numbers to each other, right? So 8,000 versus 7,000, the 10% Percentage. versus 8% may still shake out to similar things. Makes a big difference. Yep. Well, that's all we have for you this week. We'll be back next week with another Nerdy Agent podcast. See you all later. See you next time.